0: Welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the bi rated TV ratings to declare some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head to head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by the Doctor Amongst Men, Duncan Joyce. How's things, Duncan?
1: Very, very well. Thank
0: you, Lee. Uh, how's things your end? Things are good over here. Um, we were just before recording having a quick chat about the, the Women's World Cup, so you've been keeping up with that, Duncan?
1: I've been keeping up with England's games, yeah. Uh, Friday's one was a bit of a complicated one I had to go to the bank and so I started watching the game on the bus and the minute that I stepped off the bus Lauren James scored a goal which I was thrilled about I thought England were a totally different team in that opener when she was on and it was just great to see her get a chance
0: Yeah I went to the opener England and Haiti so not the best performance but um, so far so good all things considered Yeah shaky ground but you know wins a win Absolutely. Um, tournament legs don't normally kick in until the um, the knockouts anyway. I think there's always a few shaky games from the big teams in, in the group stages.
1: Oh, that's definitely true, yeah. Um, seems like there's a fair few upsets too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and my, my girls went and watched Australia the other night. I wasn't able to attend, but yeah, um, supporting it as much as we can over here. It's actually really good to see the crowd sizes so far. They've been some pretty phenomenal crowds and um, I, I probably am right on the middle of the debate about gender equality when it comes to pay and do believe that like athletes there's going to be some economic realities like i don't think every premier league player should be paid the same as Messi because they don't have the same commercial attraction and there's a lot to it but seeing the big crowds is hopefully at the international stage going to help bridge the gap for some of those countries that are in debate because i do think uh, the internationals are a little bit different i think the government should be putting um some base pay levels that are the same for, for the men and women and then let the sponsorship take care of the rest personally
1: well, TVs sounded pretty healthy too. I think uh, the Tilda's opener was a, a record audience in Australia. Uh, US's draw with Netherlands I think was a record for uh, the women's game on Fox too.
0: Yeah, there's been some records broken at live attendance. That the friendly Australia had before the tournament started was the highest uh, attended female football match in Australia, and then it was broken once the tournament got underway. So wow. um, it's certainly taking a big step forward for, for the women getting uh, compensated a little bit better for their efforts.
1: Nice. On the other side of things, I went to see England and North Macedonia in Old Trafford. Yes, I did have a wash after. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Beat me to the punch. <laughs> that was a great day
1: uh, another great thing about it was that was the week that fifa 23 launched on games pass so on the advertising screens around the pitch they put up a whole bunch of free codes for game pass ultimate subscriptions and i had one of those and yeah had a blast trying out some of the games that i've been uh waiting on
0: nice that's brilliant i've um I've actually been playing a lot of w w e two k twenty three um probably the first one I've bought in a decade I'd say and I've been playing it pretty solidly for about a month or so now
1: i've I've heard really really good things I was sorely tempted especially now that I've got a series x I've gone next gen but right around my peak excitement also was around about the time when I decided that I need to minimise the amount of money that I give Vince McMahon because of uh, certain practices going on.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've um, I've minimised that many ways over the years, but this one I was like, oh, I'm just bored. I've obviously like buy FIFA every year, and I've been buying NBA 2K, you know, off and on for the last few years now, and I just find that. With the move to try and bleed as many dollars out of people as possible, games haven't had the shelf life for me in recent years because they're all featured around, you know, people wanting, you know, microtransactions. And once I buy a base game, I won't spend any more money on it. It's like, that's my little moral thing. Like, I've paid $90 for the game. I don't want to be bled dry week by week on top of that.
1: Yeah, I don't want any of that either. The only exception that I make in terms of DLC is the expansion packs for Forza Horizon. Because they're essentially just a little smaller version of the game themselves. They put a really great amount of effort into it. And when I find them on offer, it's really, really good value.
0: Yeah, fair. Everyone's got their own little things they're happy to to part with their money with and, and things they're not, I guess. And, you know, no offense to anyone that likes getting on FIFA and paying for all the players. But I'm like, I'll beat you with whichever random players are in this pack. And I'll beat you enough times to go and buy them the old fashioned way. (laughs) um we're here today to talk about um some tna so with the issues i've been having with binge over here in australia we couldn't um stay on our normal timeline and we've decided to watch slammerversary 2009 versus Slammiversary 2010 to see um well actually why don't you explain the the choice here duncan because this is the one you threw at me that i really love the sound of
1: yeah so impact wrestling and just coming off the back of their most recent edition of slammerversary sounded kind of healthy in terms of buy rates and trinity became the knockouts champion so it sounded pretty newsworthy so i figured with recognition that it's slammiversary month as of recording uh we'd go back and look at a pair of slammiversaries and tie it to our first timeline that we did together where hogan's tna run was involved so i threw out a few scenarios silly and we went with this one to try and get like a before and after of Hogan effect essentially um, these shows are both available for free on Impact Wrestling's YouTube channel Impact Wrestling are incredibly generous in the, in terms of content that they put on their channel, there's oh, good 7 or 8 other Slammiversary shows on there too lots of free matches, it's how my wife and I keep up with some of the goings on in the knockouts division right now as well and yeah it's all really good and if you want to even expand upon that a little bit they kind of do the impact plus deal through youtube itself where you can become like a subscriber through there and you can watch it all through youtube rather than go and download another app
0: if i've already got the impact plus app um can i still watch it through youtube because i actually like it's listening to that i was like i i have the impact plus app i pay for an annual subscription just so whenever i want to go back and watch some old tna i can do which is very rare but i'm like i don't mind paying for it once a year it's not that big of a deal but like it's so much easier to watch on youtube like the impact app i've got on my phone i have to stream to my tv and you can't really fast forward or rewind on the app on your phone while you're streaming it it's an absolute (sighs) nightmare
1: What a pain. Um, I don't know, actually. Um, I'm not 100% sure how that works, but yes, I kind of share your pain with that, Lee. Quite recently, it was Prime Day over here, and they had a lot of uh, Prime Video channels offering free 30-day trials. One of them was ITV Catch-Up, just basically the same as what you get on ITVX, but it's just all ad-free. And so I thought well, sub it, I'll do that and, and then I can watch all my AEW on there with no ads on, on a much more reliable player. So yeah, I'm, I'm well with you on that.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that, I think. Um, and before we kick off, I've got some good news, Duncan. Oh, go on. This week, Thunder has been added to Binge. Oh, yeah! Oh some my god! Back in business.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have had the next pair of shows on tap forever since I cancelled my <laughs> subscription after
0: WrestleMania. Oh my god, yes! I don't know what it is, but in the last like while I was um, doing these recordings, um, I actually started back watching some 2001 Raw and SmackDown. I started the night after WrestleMania X Seven, not to to record anything for, but just for a bit of you know like late night viewing. Throw something on when you're bored. Um, and I was flicking through and they just this week have added Thunder. They've added all the ECW pay-per-views and they've actually put, I think, all the fall brawls. And there's one more. Um, annoyingly, they put Halloween Havoc up after I watched for, for an upcoming recording. So I watched it all <laughs> on my phone and then it got it got uploaded the next day. Um, and there was another, I can't remember what the other one was. But yeah, they, they randomly put up quite a few hours worth of content um, this week. So yeah, we can be back on Thunder and Smackdown um, after this recording.
1: Oh, that is marvellous.
0: Yeah, I was quite happy. I'm like, I saw that a couple of days ago and I'm like, I'll wait and tell you when we're recording. Yes! Um, I'm assuming, but please correct me if I'm wrong, that you watched uh, 2009 first?
1: Yes, I did. Yep, I'm going in Uh, chronological order.
0: This one seems to make the most sense, doesn't it? So I did the same thing. Um, (laughs) Should we head over to 2009 and see what TNA was like pre-Hulk Hogan?
1: Oh, yeah, let's take a look.
2: D.N.A. Wrestling,
3: Cross the Line.
0: valentine's day massacre maybe as well where they had the like old-timey music with the black and white videos
1: i i kind of yeah get that I, um i could maybe tie it into invasion as well as kind of like a world war ii era kind of thing um so it's like a happy anniversary knockoff um and then everything denigrated to this random punk song as well
0: yeah, I um I didn't mind it. I thought it was a, a step up in production from some of the TNA stuff we've watched previously.
1: Yeah, um probably including the actual opening sting of the, you know, the cross the line and the weird backward rain stuff going on. I don't know what that's about.
0: Yeah, they um they got their money's worth out of those rain videos, didn't they? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um sorry to backtrack a little bit, but um June, 2000, uh, sorry, June 21st, 2009, Palace of Auburn Hills in Detroit, um, in front of a crowd of 4,000 um, was this one. And commentary team of Mike Tanay and Don West. I didn't realise Don West lasted this long and was quite excited to see this commentary team.
1: This is the verge of him being transitioned into a manager permanently and a backstage guy because uh, certain someone's gonna sign in the next month or so um and what i didn't realize i totally forgot he's kind of playing heel tonight
0: yeah he is a little bit isn't he but he's still very likable even as a heel
1: yeah that's true
0: um today runs down the king of the mountain rules um and we get curtis granderson from the detroit lions coming out to join the commentary team i have no idea who he is sorry
1: no not got a clue um what do you think of the staging as well by the way
0: um i don't know that i made too much of a mental note about it what did you think
1: i was relatively impressed it was essentially as tall as the regular raw stage um although there's like all the kind of like yellow chevrons on the ramp. I thought it made me made it feel like a bit like robot wars or something.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to um, Google it to remind myself because I obviously watched this one first. But yeah, nothing is um, uh, nothing's jumping out at me, unfortunately. Sorry. Yeah, um, yeah obviously didn't leave a, a lasting impression on me well I mean the
1: other side of this is so you mentioned the attendance I reckon this building could have maybe hold about two or three thousand other extra because you know there were a few empty seats around but loads of loud TNA chants at the start of this
0: yeah well um this is an interesting one because um wasn't SummerSlam 93 from the Palace of Auburn Hills and it holds like it's a 20,000 seat arena, like, but they've done this up to look much smaller. So I think, you know, maybe that's a, a tip of the cap to the production team here because yeah, I did, it didn't look like a giant basketball arena that was empty. Did it?
1: No, no, it, it was, it was mostly good. Um, it's just kind of the awkward stage when you're a company the size of TNA, it's like finding the right sized buildings, really. Like, I don't think theatre culture is enough where, like, in America, where you'd have something that would fill up, um, that, that would be able to hold all of the fans that would want to go and see this, but then, like, an arena might be a little bit too big. So you got to kind of gussy it up to, to still make it look lively.
0: Yeah, I guess, like, Americans have got such a, like, a college and, and, to a lesser degree, high school sports fixation that, like, surely there's got to be, like, some middle of the ra- uh, middle of the um, road size arenas that they could use. Like, I don't know, this just... Going to somewhere, you know, going to some of the, the smaller ones, like the impact zone, which is in 2010, is far too small, in my opinion, but then going to the larger ones seems to have those empty seats you're talking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a similar kind of problem that we'd have here, I guess, like... Uh- arena sports aren't that much of a thing, so the arenas are really kind of driven by concerts and gigs. Mm. Um, now, go on. sorry, you go. Oh, uh, oh um, so you, you mentioned today's running through the rules for this opening match. <laughs> That's um, exactly
0: what I was about to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we also had the X-Factors. I don't know what possessed me to do this, but every time they had these little tailor-the-tape style things, I made a note of them. So for this opening match, we've got Suicide versus The Numbers numbers Game. Just to pop Michael Cole. (laughs) Four challenges, two teams.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
1: And then they run through the King of the Mountain rules, like you say. This is a whole year before WWE did multiple money in the bank matches so tna a bit ahead of the curve there um yeah so i guess i'm just trying to see if i could make sense of the stories just through these little tail of the tape moments because i don't think a lot of thought gets put into them <laughs> most of the time
0: no it seems a bit throwaway the one thing that's not though is that Every match on both shows has a video package. I really appreciated that because that did help me get, you know, a little bit up to speed with what was going on. Um, full disclosure, this is the first time I've ever seen a King of the Mountain match. And went, like, and obviously, like, I didn't see the tail of the tape stuff or the arena. I was trying to figure out what the hell the rules for this were and, and make sense of it in my mind. If anyone hasn't seen it, it is um, it's essentially a five-man ladder match you have to get a pinfall or submission to be eligible to, uh, sorry, a reverse ladder match where you hang the belt. (laughs) You have to be eligible to hang the belt, which is held by a referee at ringside by pinning or submitting someone. And if you are pinned or submitted yourself, you have to spend two minutes in a penalty box. This, Duncan, was not my cup of tea.
1: Oh, really? This is very interesting to me. Back when I was kind of casually trying to figure out what was going on in TNA, in the late 2000s, like whenever I'd be over at my mate's house and I'd YouTube him to see who would put up some illegal rips of some of the matches, King of the Mountain matches were one of the things that I looked out for, just because it was different and it's not a match that really exists anywhere else in wrestling. Um, the What put me off the most is how much the penalty box just looked like a phone box, painted black. <laughs> it's,
0: I think there's just too many things in this match like the five-man ladder match would be fine um five-man ladder match that you have to gain a pin to be eligible to climb okay you could live with that once you add in the ref's got the belt you're hanging the belt like the hanging of the belt is just stupid to me and then the penalty box it's like ah, no too far too far
1: i think kind of reverse engineering this for me having seen a few more of these the fact that the penalty box is there and how Many memorable spots and stuff that have revolved around this. I'm like okay with that. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's worth trying something different, I guess.
0: Yeah, I and look, I think maybe the fact that this is my first one, because as you said before, two tag teams, so it's um. Jay Lethal and Consequences Creed and the Motor City Machine Guns, Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin taking on Suicide. And the way it starts as a four-on-one, um, Suicide should be eliminated from this match, basically. And the fact that he stays competitive, it kind of makes a mockery of all the rules for me that um, they're doing all these double-team moves. Like, it's a four-on-one. If, if this was an episode of Impact and these two tag teams came out and hit all these moves on Suicide, it'd, it'd almost be stretched off. But because you know, we don't that's not what we want. We want him to be eligible. He's just gonna get a four on one beat down for a while. Um and then we have somehow, as that's happening, he pins Jay Lethal. So he's the first one eligible and Jay Lethal's the first one in the penalty box. And I'm like, uh, we just didn't think this one through very well, did we?
1: It's it's a crazy kind of car crash situation. Tane calls it a double double team.
0: Yeah, I could get with that.
1: <laughs> I, As the machine guns were coming out, the graphics listed them as New Japan Tag Team Champions. Interesting. I think what they actually were in reality were the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Champions because another team we've got coming up later in the night had the heavyweight titles.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, of course they did. Um, Yep, you're right. Did you you spot how much...
1: Glitter was on Consequences Creed when he came out.
0: I didn't notice that, no.
1: Oh my god, It's just like, what the hell is going on backstage there?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, as you mentioned, um, Suicide Pins Lethal have become eligible. He did that with this absolutely incredible flipping drop of thing on a ladder?
0: Yeah, I, um, big time move there, but he should uh, yeah he just should have been dead by them for me <laughs> he then botches a monkey flip um but gets um gets a three on alex shelley as well so it, it, a a bad fall that you know nowhere near as impre- impressive as the first but four on one he's pinned two of them like why do they deserve a title match
1: Mm, yeah um because g- there's not any kind of like dissension or anything involved here they seem to both be like getting their licks in and there is some good really good action here um but yeah suicide is very much for focus he hit this really sick snapmare face first into the middle buckle on lethal which yeah, i very-
0: really enjoyed Oh yeah, yeah, he's looking strong, it's just making everyone else look weak
1: Yeah, that, that's true Don made a great point about the penalty box How you can actually treat it as a chance to freshen up And stay sharp when you come right out of it
0: Yeah, and going in early, like, you know, hardly anyone's eligible And they're not going to have three other guys knock down and climb the ladder So it's a, it's pretty risk-free at the start um, Sabin hits a chair shot to suicide and then lethal and sorry, sorry, and consequences for Creed and Chris Saban all pin suicide at the same time. Um, I've got here, I'm not really sure if one or all are eligible, but eventually the ringside announcer clears it up and it's Jay Lethal that's eligible. Um, he gets, goes to get the belt and finally the, the guns turn on him. So the four, the four way tandem is finally broken up yeah um, well
1: that's only after they all celebrate together like a bunch of dorks or so.
0: yeah it's, um, it's not doing anything for these guys for me um we got lots of good offense from the guns here and then we end up with um consequences creed pinning alex shelley shelley pins chris saban who let him and then creed pins suicide so now everybody is eligible um some good action, but the rules and some delay in the double-team moves make this a little contrived for my liking. Um, <clears throat> we go to the ending sequence with some really big bumps, culminating with Suicide hitting a cutter off the ladder and then hanging the belt to pick up the win in almost a one-on-four handicap match.
1: <laughs> I I was much more excited about this than you from the sounds of it. I thought this was a great spot fest and... I think I kind of, like, put aside my suspension of disbelief in terms of the, the lack of dissension and just treated it as, like, the Looney Tunes catch-the-wabbit, catch-the-wabbit kind of deal.
0: Oh, the action was great. I just think the story was so illogical. and um, It's not like you couldn't do this. They could have all beat the shit out of suicide and then one suicide's, like, dying in a corner and when one finally goes for the belt, they all then turn on each other all take turns pinning each other and suicide catches his breath and comes back and gets the win at the end. Like there's an easy story there with the way this is booked or the participants, excuse me, in it, but to have them four on one and eat two pins and then still keep teaming up for so long and suicide still comes out on top. Just it. it, Yeah. Um, Action's great, but the story was terrible for me.
1: Yeah. I don't know what they're kind of going for. Like, he he's not like some kind of like Undertaker esque figure, but it's almost close with the the kind of stuff he was taking. Um, but some of the stuff he could pull out as well. Like on the other hand, like mm. there was absolute madness where Lethal got caught in a ladder, got flipped off of it because Suicide superplexed Creed into the ladder, and it was like a seesaw. And then, like the culmination of it was. Suicide did this absolutely sick plancher while Shelley was seated in a chair and then he followed it up by doing an elbow drop onto... No, sorry. Then the follow-up was Lethal coming off with an elbow drop onto a ladder bridged on the ringside and that really, really got the fans going. Like I think as far as energetic openers, this is what you want. This is kind of what I consider trademark TNA action.
0: Do you happen to know who Suicide was played by in this match?
1: No, I was going to bring that up because uh, at some point he did a Springborg leg drop that looked rather familiar and led me to believe that this might be Kaz under the hood right now.
0: Gotcha. Because I was always under the assumption it was just Christopher Daniels, but um, spoiler, he's in the next match, so I doubt it.
1: Yeah, he definitely did have that uh, gimmick for quite a while. And... uh... Yeah, and before that, he was Curry Man as well. But um,
0: yeah, oh my God, <laughs> we got to talk about what's up next for Daniels. Oh, yes. Um, so I think the best way to do it is to splice in the promo of his opponent right about here.
4: Mike and Don, but before I can interview the franchise, I want to give you guys a quick update on
5: Team 3D.
4: As we know, the guys were overseas defending their New Japan Tag Team titles last night, only to hop right on a 15-hour intercontinental flight to come on over here to Slammiversary in Detroit to defend their TNA World Tag Team titles. Now, I'll keep you posted as soon as I hear anything from the guys, but... Right now, Shay- absolutely. Now, Shane, big night for you. Up next, you will have your last chance to become a current member of the TNA roster. Now, if you defeat Daniels, you're in. But if you lose, this could be pretty bad. And you lose. might not be...
3: Let me tell you something, my beautiful Lauren, come lately. You know who I am. Yes. Maybe you should do your exercise or business before you get here to do this little job jabbering your jaws. The franchise is the benchmark in this business every place I've been, I have set the standard. I've been the man, as the old guy says, that beat the man. I've been the guy that carried the gold place to place over seven years of champion in this business. Now, Chris Daniels thinks he's going to come along and beat a legend like me. Well, remember what the legend says to beat a man. You got to beat the man. Remember that, Daniels, I've done it my entire career. I haven't come to Slammiversary to this beautiful thing to watch me get beat tonight. Jeff Jarrett, and you know this, Lauren, has done you a favor, Chris Daniels. He felt a little bit sorry for you. It's a weakness of his character. I feel sorry for no man and nobody. Tonight there will be no free passes, Chris Daniels. Tonight you will find out like Lauren will find out, like the entire TNA will find out. The franchise is a legend in this sport. I set the standard, and I knock punks down trying to make names for themselves, Daniels.
0: So, I'm going to remind everyone now that it's 2009, and as well as Mick Foley being the heavyweight champion, we've got a promo and a program for the franchise, Shane Douglas. What is going on? Ha ha
1: ha! I forgot all about this. Oh, my God. I, I As soon as Tane started running up the card and he brought up the franchise coming back, I
0: lost it. This I did not see coming.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, right. This promo, we we've seriously have to talk about this promo because there's so much about it, it just rings false. It's just a bunch of bollocks. He's coming in like he's still the cock of the walk in wrestling. And he's not. He's, like, coming off, basically transitioning out of the business, essentially. He was a manager at Target, which I guess means (laughs) he's earned CM Punk's respect. (laughs) And he's coming in acting like he's still the guy he's like everywhere i've been i've been the man no you've not that's just a blatant lie what are you doing
0: <laughs> and he has not kept himself in ring shape here he's wearing an under armor shirt to cover that up and he is fooling nobody he's looking very old
1: he, he yeah exactly he, he he looks like someone that's been out of a business a while and when we get to the match he wrestles like someone that's been out of a business a while it's It's not a good night for him, even though in his head, he probably still believes he is the franchise.
0: Yeah, and this is a second chance match. So if he wins, he gets Christopher Daniels' spot on the TNA roster. And I can hand on heart say that outside of his immediate family, there was nobody hoping for that result. Oh
1: God, yeah. So the deal here is Daniels had like a feast of Fired case that said Fired, and that's what wrote him out to be Curry Man and Suicide, etc., etc. Then Jarrett just randomly reinstated it. And Douglas said that he was watching on TV and he felt disrespected by that because he's been away three years and nobody's given him a second chance. So he started targeting Daniels, and that's where you get to the point where Daniels has offered his roster spot if franchise can beat him tonight.
0: Yeah, so contrived. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then he comes in the ring and he does, he's literally like he's done one of those pre match promos where he's backstage and he gets a microphone and cuts another fucking promo. What is the point of that?
1: And like, it doesn't add anything. He just does the local sports teams suck generic he or he. What do you need to do that for?
0: Give him one promo or the other. This was a waste of time.
1: Oh my God. Some dude in the front row was wearing a Stewie Griffin Scarface parody shirt. I don't know why that stood out for me, but I think I was just <laughs> trying to find any kind of entertainment value I could other than franchise being here.
0: Um, we get a <laughs> we we get the match starting with um, a low drop kick from Daniels. A oh what fear I got? He works a headlock for a while, and then an Asai moonsault before Douglas comes back with a clothesline. The rings of satin transitions into an arm bar eats ends of gory and the match i've just got here that at this point the match is at a walking pace it's a move and a rest and a move and a rest
1: oh boy yeah there's one point in the early going um daniels is really slick and he's doing like a commando roll to avoid some stuff and franchise tries to do a drop down and daniels can see it coming from a mile off and gets him right back into that headlock that was great this is all by the way this is all while don west is out here calling franchise one of the greats one of the all-time greats
0: he's just not
1: (laughs) no like ecw is probably the only company he's been in where he has been the the lead talent
0: yeah yeah and for a very short time and you know like Maybe some people love him, but most people I speak to, and certainly myself, when they think of their fond memories of ECW, it's Taj, Dreamer, Rob Van Dam, Sabu. Like, I don't hear anyone go, oh, that Shane Douglas era of ECW was the best stuff ever.
1: Well, some fans' arguments in terms of, like, quality work rate and stuff might actually lead them to believe that franchise was fucking great because you no know, his whole gimmick is oh there's a whole idea he's shit he gets heat Ooh.
0: yeah um <laughs> it gets heat when he comes on my screen in a 2009 pay-per-view oh my god <laughs> um anyway back to the match douglas and uh, not douglas sorry um daniel's hit to northern lights for a two and then the best moonsault ever for the one two three in a thankfully short uh, dud of a match and a waste of Christopher Daniels for my money.
1: He was just so obviously in a different class to Douglas here. Um, he, Douglas, all he had to offer was a very generic heat other than that one ring of satin hold that was decent. You know, Little fundamentally wrong about this match other than it was kind of at the wrong speed and the wrong opponent for reintroducing Daniels like this so much of Daniels 2009 before he got his title program with AJ it was just what are you doing with this lad
0: yeah yeah this did not highlight him at all no we then go to JB with uh, Mick Foley and I'm confused watching this is he a heel or a face
1: he is a heel he's drunk with power being the champion and and an executive shareholder all at once
0: So, yeah, he's basically telling JB that Jeff Jarrett will help him keep the title and then he's singing. It was a a very weird promo. It didn't come across um, like heel Mick Foley, but it didn't come across very likable either.
1: (laughs) Yeah, singing he's got the whole world title in his hands and like a throwback to when Mankind was randomly singing that on our timeline a (laughs) while ago. Um, I liked how... So JB's talking him through how the numbers make it look like things aren't in his favour tonight and he's like oh yeah, I agree, yeah, because I had to take summer school to catch up and pass on maths
0: Yeah, it was it was was there
1: (laughs) He also threatened not to defend the title again until Bound for Glory 2010 What is he, Roman Reigns?
0: (laughs) Yeah (laughs) He would have definitely fit in with the 2020 WWE title scene Oh, my God. Uh, our next match is Tara taking on Angelina Love for the Knockouts Championship. Angelina Love, of course, in The Beautiful People, comes out with Madison Rain and Velvet Sky. Uh, we get a stare down and then a shoulder takedown and some paint brushing from Angelina. Tara lifts her by the hair and hits her with a nice beal. Uh, the heels cheat whenever the referee is distracted. We get a spin kick from Angelina for a two, a pair of clotheslines and a slam, and then a swinging sidewalk from Tara. Goes outside and decks both the um the valets for <coughs> Angelina, um, but gets back in and eats a kick. And then Madison Rain sprays hairspray in her eyes, and Angelina Love hits it with the self rock bottom for the one two three.
1: We're on quite a downslide here, aren't we? Um, very <laughs> very cheap win after a very generic match not much on offer here Tara looked good when she was actually allowed to hit a wrestling move other than just having to sell for Angelina but yeah, not the best Um, from the sounds of it she's only just come in for company Um, and then I have to wind things back to the knockout's tail of the tape (coughs) sorry we had the beautiful people fall into web Tara's oh immediate impact <laughs> Oh, pun intended and lucky in love um, and then the other thing that bothered me about the start of this match was Don talking up the beautiful people's entrance he calls it paying homage to the ring ropes and then Tine asks him what did you say about the feel of velvet Don goes I love it like a big old perv
0: (laughs) a bit of Jerry Lawler vibes there
1: (laughs) do you get anything out of this match Lee no just that
0: like such a wasted opportunity how did they not just have Tara come in and mow down the competition she was like as Victoria she was one of the best women's wrestlers in in North America at the time and a big get for you know a company that prided itself on having a stronger women's division than WWE who admittedly were blowing it themselves at the time like Have her come in and mow down the competition and build to a big match with a worthy contender?
1: Yeah, I think she gets a lot, she gets used a lot more appropriately later on in the year, um, which has me begging the question, like you, just give her the title straight away. Just let's have some fun stuff out of this.
0: Yeah, you've got a legit, like, you know, (laughs) like a, a star, and whoever dethrones her. After, you know, the first year or whatever is going to be a maid woman.
5: Yeah.
0: Um, we've got Lauren, uh, the interview girl with Dr. Stevie, Raven, and Daphne. And this is a group that I had no idea ever existed. Oh, yes. They cut a promo on Abyss, which ends with Raven laughing to end the segment. And this is, I, I can't do it any justice, so I'll splice it in right about here.
4: Dr. Stevie, tonight, once and for all, the therapy session ends. And maybe you'll go back to that padded cell where you belong.
5: Is there any way to talk to me, Lauren, a professional? Is that, We've been is that through one, this before. Is this what TNA is paying you for? I, I really think you have some very deep-seated issues. And maybe we're going to have to eventually put them to rest. After, after we all get done with your boyfriend, Abyss. See, I tried. I'm not the bad guy here, I'm the good guy. I tried to help Chris. I spent hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours trying to put together the jigsaw puzzle that was Chris Parks. But then I discovered this jigsaw puzzle will never ever be put back together. And the saddest part is, and I have to apologize, Sorority sister Taylor has to be dragged in to this monster. She ball.
4: never asked to be involved in That's okay.
5: this. The TNA's seventh anniversary. Doctor Stevie will have a two for one therapy special. Oh, God. I like you, Lauren. I really do. You know why?
4: Because you wear your moral superiority like a cloak of human excrement. No matter how much you try to smile and show a joyous side. You reek of sadness, and that that turns me on. Of this monster's ball. You and I, we're we're brothers in blood, bringers of chaos. In In a multiverse of infinite possibilities, you and I, we're statistical anomalies. You and I are addicts. Can you smell it tonight? Can you smell the blood in the air, the misery, the torture, the pain, the anguish? (laughs) Tonight will be a glorious night of redemption because abyss, we have had hours and hours, days and days, years and years of therapy. Nothing's changed and nothing is ever gonna change because you and I are hopeless. You and I are hopeless addicts on a downward spiral that has nowhere to go. <laughs> Except straight to hell. Although there's one possibility, one slim chance at redemption tonight. Because you and I, tonight, we're gonna have that breakthrough. Even if it kills us, quote the Raven, Nevermore."
1: Oh boy, well, that one line that Raven had where he says Lauren wears her moral superiority like a cloak of human excrement just. Yeah, there is no doing justice to that line. (laughs)
0: like because so many people wear that cloak
1: (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) the walking dead was like about two years from starting on cable (laughs) nobody thought of that yet
0: (laughs) oh man yeah this was a, a weird group and yeah actually i just i don't think i've got anything else to say about this we go to a um a monster's ball um video package and it's going to be raven with dr stevie and daphne taking on sorry raven and daphne with dr stevie taking on abyss and taylor wilde in a tag team monsters ball match
1: right this video package it talks about raven making this match famous it's fucking named after abyss's gimmick what are you on about
0: yeah yeah this is definitely abyss's match i was i was a little bit excited by this one coming in. I've got to be honest, like the idea of Raven, who, you know, admittedly uh, is probably past his prime here, but definitely had some great hardcore brawls taking on a young Abyss, definitely got me pumped.
1: Raven, he does look a little worn and I was kind of unkind to him about that at the time. But I mean, compared to franchise, like we'll see from this match, he's a lot more up to his image than franchise was. I would say that
0: definitely the match gets started with the faces sending the heels into each other um abyss punches a bin into raven um he presses daphne over the top rope onto raven and stevie taylor wilde hits a top top rope cross body to the floor they brawl along the outside for a bit taylor wilde with a splash off the stage to daphne through a table which was a pretty big spot
1: yeah um That was definitely the side of this I was most looking forward to. Actually, Wilde and Daphne being together. There's at one point where Taylor tangled her with cookie sheets, which I thought was kind of amusing. And then at one point, I've got a note here. Fuck! Did Taylor just kick Daphne up the fanny?
6: (laughs) I
0: must have missed that. Jesus! I have
1: no idea. I mean, it's it's very easy to miss a bunch of stuff in this. It, it's very kind of public enemy versus nasty boys mm-hmm. going everywhere, yeah. isn't it?
0: Yeah, great shout, great call out, call back to this this podcast as well. I've reviewed a bunch of those matches. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stevie nails Abyss with a chair um, and cuts him open. We get Ravens' classic drop toe hold to the chair. Um, we get a kendo stick and then. Um, We've got here. Uh, oh, it's broken over Abyss's head. That gets a two count. Abyss with a choke slam, uh, but misses the trash can he's aiming for. Um, and then the faces hit a rocket launcher. So obviously, Abyss throwing Taylor Wilde, not the other way around. Oh my god, that would
1: be that would pop me out. <laughs> <hard. laughs> I think Taylor White is our, Taylor Wilde is already a great wrestler. If she fucking do that to Abyss, oh my god. <laughs> greatest
0: of <all> time. <laughs> Stevie stops the count. Um, Abyss takes him out. Taylor Wilde hits a sky high variation on Daphne onto thumbtacks. Props to Daphne for taking that. Um, Stevie breaks up the count. Raven hits a DDT on a chair for a two, but Abyss comes back with a black hole slam onto Raven on the thumbtacks for the one, two, three. And I don't know about you, I actually really enjoyed this one.
1: Very watchable plunder match. I think the highlight was Daphne and Taylor bumping for each other. Like I said, Raven was much more up to his legacy than franchise was. And yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm fine with this, really. Abyss took a face full of the doing that finish, though.
0: Yeah, yeah, nasty.
1: Um, I think... On the commentary front, Don West was a bit of a mixed bag. So you mentioned Abyss got cut open by that chair shot and he goes, Abyss is bladed on the head right now when the chair hit him. It's like phrasing, Don.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not the best call.
1: (laughs) But then he made up for it later. Like you say, the, uh, the chokeslam missed the trash can. Don was covering for it saying that Raven had kicked it away.
0: Oh good shot. I missed that um missed that line, but yeah, it was a bit of a bit of a weird miss that one.
1: Yeah. So I mean I enjoyed it. Like I had mixed feelings going into this because I know that this is the kind of match where Daphne would deliver, but I know that this is also the kind of match where TNA didn't really uh treat her that well in terms of expecting her to take these bumps and stuff and then not really looking after her after the fact.
0: I didn't know that. That is um, not as great, and I, I didn't know much about Taylor Wilde coming in either. So, um, she definitely impressed me for for what it's worth on this one. Taylor is doing a very good job back
1: in Impact right now. She made a comeback a couple of years ago, and she's got this whole Colvin gimmick. I always thought she was a tremendous wrestler, and I thought it was a shame that she quit the business essentially again because of TNA's lack of duty of care really she was working uh, a, a regular job in Sunglasses Hut and someone asked her aren't you the Impact Champion and she was like oh fuck this I can't deal with this
0: I was going to ask you when you said she left, is she the girl that um, was working at Sunglass Hut? Because I've heard that story before, and um, it's unintentionally hilarious. I I feel bad for it, but I also work in in the optical industry, so the idea that a TNA champion was working at a Sunglass Hut does make me laugh a little bit on a personal note.
1: Well, it's kind of back to the discussion we had at the start about equity in, in sports and wanting a better deal for women's professional athletes. TNA knockout segments were really, really highly rated on Spike TV and did they get the pay to reflect that? Did they fuck?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you on that one. Um, in, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> let me, let me um, make sure I don't end this segment sounding sexist. I don't find her working at Sunglass Hut any funnier than I find Shane Douglas working at Target. <laughs> and unintentionally, it's nothing to do with Taylor Wilde either. I, am. Um, yeah, the the it's more of a lull TNA than a you know them picking on any of the wrestlers. The idea that they could earn comparable money working in retail to what they're getting at TNA is a bit of a slap in the face.
1: No, exactly. Like the the company is the butt of the joke here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Glad I cleared that. One. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sound like a bastard often enough on my own show. I should probably watch that one. Um, <laughs> JB's with Jeff Jarrett who is clearly not on the same page as Mick Foley and intends on winning the TNA title
1: yeah so like he he's never lost the King of the Mountain match by the way Um, but he talks about he doesn't actually want to be champion but like he feels like he has to do this to just to get the title off Mick and then he'll win the title and fuck it he'll figure it out afterwards kind of like Vince and Triple H back on our current timeline
0: but with Jeff Jarrett not really like in a position of power. Do do you feel that almost devalues the title just a little bit?
1: I mean, no more than Mick Foley in a position of power being the current champion.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, point (laughs) taken on that one. I can't really argue with that, can I? Um, We then go to Matt Morgan taking on Sting, and it's at this point that I realise we're in the midst of the main event mafia, and obviously watching that angle on OSW at the moment, I was like, yes, we're doing a bit of that ourselves
1: oh yeah um very complicated scenario in terms of sting standing in this stable which i guess is kind of the angle here like sting's very very face leaning again um and yeah uh, morgan wants in because he's the dna of tna and apparently that dna is getting sent to space and (laughs) Sting's just like, all right, fuck it. If you beat me, you have my spot. Lots of people willing to give up their spots tonight.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a weird one. Um, but anywho, <laughs> I digress. So, uh, uh,
1: today calls Morgan the hottest free agent in TNA. I don't think he understands what that phrase means.
0: No, he's uh, trying to join a faction. He's not, like, renewing his contract. Right. Um, Morgan throws Sting out the ring. They brawl on the floor to start with. A couple of clotheslines by the Stinger and then a spinning clothesline by Morgan. His corner elbows, which I quite like, where he throws left, right, left, right. Um, Always enjoy that spot. A nice slam, a leg drop for a two and a sidewalk for a a two. And then a jumping leg drop over the top rope. um, I found quite cool.
1: That's insane, yeah. Morgan does look really, really good at the start of this match, for sure
0: we get a um sting working the leg and then a missile dropkick, a stinger a splash before eating a big boot, and then they um they botch a suplex reverse which was supposed to be the scorpion death drop. He eventually hits it for a 2 and then just gets up and does one off the second rope um for the 3. I'm guessing that first part was meant to be the finish, but um yeah, the the botched ending took a little bit of the sting out of this one for me. No pun intended. <laughs>
1: oh oh dear Um, yeah I I think um, it did get a bit derailed with that Morgan was going for his elevator and I could totally see them like still wanting to do the second rope deal Um, because Sting was working his ass off tonight he was making Morgan look really good let's not get it twisted that missile dropkick Sting did was from the top rope when do you see Sting come off the top rope for anything other than the splash Um, yeah good point yeah it worked really hard um they were really getting somewhere before like you say that counter made things dip a little bit still solid stuff
0: we then go to lauren with aj and samoa joe um Samoa Joe has his um has his tattoo on his face, which I haven't come across a show with him wearing that before, and it's not a good look. And then they got a promo on the main event main event mafia, specifically um Kurt Angle.
1: Don't know if you're familiar with Summer Heights High or Jonah from Tonga, but it's kind yes, of yes. like
0: Jonah's made a dictation on Joe's face here. <laughs> I think that guy's been cancelled over um, Jonah from Tonga, and amongst other things, um, he um, was—I can't remember who— one of my friends when when that was out was huge into it, and I I got a giggle out of it. But I'm pretty sure the guy's been cancelled over here now um, over—I'm assuming blackface or or something of of the sort.
1: Basically, yeah. And any time there was a character of colour, he'd still play them, which um, doesn't really scan that well in, in society.
0: Yeah um but yeah at the time a very popular australian comedy (laughs) actor um we then go to team 3d defending their tag team titles against beer money incorporated
1: ah yes so for this because it's a tag team match the tale of the tape is called taglines Ah. so we have 3d's orient express Uh, Because, as we were discussing earlier, they're the IWGP tag team champions. And throughout the show, they've been talking about they were just hopping on a red eye to get over to Michigan because they had defended their titles like 24 hours earlier or something like that.
0: Yeah, apparently they've just got off the plane like that day. So, um, you know, um, some scheduling there.
1: (laughs) Right. We get Beer Money's tournament payoff. This whole match stems out of the Team 3D Invitational, and um, Beer Money won it. They won bowling trophies and 100 grand and this title shot. And then it ends on mutual disrespect. So, Team 3D prevented the British invasion from interfering in the Beer Money match, but then Beer Money didn't return the favour, so Team 3D's all pissed off about that. So. Very good. It matched up with what we saw in the video, which which was good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was excited for this one. Um, I like Beer Money. I haven't, you know, watched too much of this era of TNA, but I like both Storm and um, and Rude. So, and Big Dudley Boy's fan. So I was looking forward to this one. And yeah, I, I'll go through it, but it didn't really disappoint for me. It was good. Um, Storm is is um, sticking and moving on Devon early before he gets caught with a slam. Some nice double teaming from Beer Money and then a big boot from Rude. A pair of clotheslines, no sold by Bully Ray. Um, Bully Ray's hair here. um, Duncan, what the fuck is going on? Please, (laughs) Please, can you explain this haircut to me? So he's doing
1: the Mohawk thing but with no consideration to the fact that he is kind of widows peeking at the front while this is happening, so it looks thoroughly, thoroughly strange and takes him actually transitioning over to the Bully Ray gimmick to actually get this right and just shave it, or maybe he got hair plugs or something.
0: Yeah, that Partially describes it, but there's a little something that you've missed there, and that he just has two sideburns not connected to his hair in any way, shape, or form. Oh my god! Yeah! Two little landing strips, one next to each ear.
1: (laughs) Maybe they're like table legs or something.
6: Manningly, get rid of those sideburns! What sideburns? You heard me, hippie. Mattingly, for the last time, get rid of those sideburns. Look, Mr. Burns, I don't know what you think sideburns are, but... Don't
4: argue with me! Just get rid of them! (gasps) Mattingly! I thought I told you to trim those sideburns! Go home! You're off the team! For good! Fine. I still like him better than Steinbrenner. He's not.
0: He's got no beard, and they're not connected to his hair. He's just got two little rectangles. Fucking the whole time I'm watching him, I can only think of Mr. Birds saying, "Shave those sideburns."
5: (laughs) Oh my god!
0: (laughs) Oh, he looks an absolute tit. I'm sorry, Bully Ray, but that is one of the worst haircuts I've ever seen in my life.
1: Oh, terrible, Um, Devon. When You know, he does the thing when they come out and he, like, flexes because, like, it's an upper-body business, brother. The camera cut away from it.
0: Oh, interesting. He must have uh, skipped too many days at the gym. (laughs)
1: Like, that's his one spot where he looks really, really good.
0: (laughs) We get a nice combination side-slam leg drop for a two from Team 3D, a back elbow from Rude, and then a clothesline, a backdrop, and a bubba bomb gets a two-count for Bully Ray. Um, the wasp up headbutt off the top, and then they call for the tables. But Rude interrupts the spinebuster for a two, uh, double team suplex from Beer Money, and out come the British Invasion to join the commentary team mid-match.
1: Yeah, out to rampant USA chance too.
0: Bully um, Ray hits it. A- oh, sorry, go on.
1: I've got to discuss the commentary talking about Team 3D's trip over here because. Um, It started out kind of funny because Don was trying to make out, oh, they just had a 17-hour nap on the plane. They're going to be well fresh for this match. And Tanae's all pissed off at him. But then it gets kind of annoying later on when Don... um, Tanae kind of shits on places like Grand Rapids in comparison to where team 3d were wrestling in Osaka and so west is insisting well beer money take their wrestling seriously even when they wrestle in these kinds of places as someone Could who's wife he, comes from Grand schedule, Rapids, fuck you
0: <laughs> i didn't even think of that i'm more thinking that like that's the tna schedule surely
4: <laughs> right
0: um we got a rock bottom from bully ray um we get a power slam from Devon and a clothesline for a two. We get the the three DB, which is like the back suplex into the neck breaker for a two. Um, Don West now he's um, sorry now he's Engli- He's got an English accent and he's oh he calls a crossbody a wicked googly. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, um, not one of his final lines.
1: I miss that. Oh my god.
0: Um, we get a top rope Rana from Storm, a splash from Rude for a two, and then 3D hit the Doomsday Device for a two. Um, 3D and Rob Terry are distracted by the ref, and Bob uh, Robert Rude sorry, hits a top rope dive to... Uh, sorry, Bully Ray hits a top rope dive to the Brits, and then we get Devon sending um, Doug Williams through the table, but this allows Beer Money to hit their DWI finisher for the 1-2-3 and pick up the win and the tag team titles you Remember what DWI stood for? Um driving while it was it drinking while investing? Drinking while investing, yeah. There we go. Love um, I love that. I really enjoyed this match.
6: Oh,
1: me too, yeah. Very, very good tag team match. It didn't hit home quite as hard as it could have because of all the interference and stuff, but they had enough time and flow for everyone to get some shine. Devon's hot tag on was, was only where you started to see some of the clunkiness creep in, but yeah tag team division in tna around this time always delivered
0: we then go to jb with i've got here perk angle he is looking oh God. very very high
1: uh, it's so unnerving seeing him with the stubble like the 5am stubble and the unshaved head it's big divorced dad energy
0: yep yep um and it's time for our king of the mountain match number two so mick foley defending the tna title against kurt angle aj styles samoa joe and jeff jarrett Um, right off the entrances i love aj styles tna theme song and the only one better than that is jeff jarrett's (laughs) tna theme song yes love that song
1: Um, first off we'll start with the tale of the tape it says in quotes another Title defense for Foley. So he's kind of defense shy from the sounds of it. Yeah. Will, will the power struggle be resolved? And then it's just the King of the Mountain rules, just like the opener. The presentation of this main event is excellent, I have to say. Every time somebody is coming out for the match, they do the walking through the curtain backstage deal, kind of like Love um, that. 1999 WWF main events, and then they have like their own little mini packages putting them over. So, for instance, they were talking about AJ; he could become a Grand Slam champion. Um, and no, sorry, he is a Grand Slam champion, and he could become a four-time world champion tonight. Um, Jarrett's gear looks amazing, like the champagne gold and the white. I I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, they've got some good gear. And speaking of gear, Angle comes out in a Penguins jersey, Pittsburgh Penguins, um, and that gets some heat. Joe comes out in a Detroit Red Wings jersey and beats the shit out of him to get the the match underway. Um, But he's put in the penalty box for attacking him early, and Kurt is declared eligible. So I didn't know we could have DQs in this match, but there you go.
1: Mm, Yeah, um, interesting decision. Um, Foley in this match, he's wearing a Slammiversary T-shirt and uh, it's basically just a profile of Jeff Jarrett, which feels really, really odd.
4: British Bulldog's my name, wrestling's my game. In tomorrow's Daily Mirror, the amazing secret of my life. It's red hot, so listen good. Plus, get your teeth into a free hamburger at Burger King. You feeling hungry? You want a free burger? you got it. Only with the Daily Mirror. Take a big bite tomorrow. Um,
0: all right. So, um, where were we up to there? So we've got, um, Jeff Jarrett and AJ, uh, two on one Kurt Angle for a while, while Mick Foley just sits out and watches. Mick Foley puts, um, Jarrett on top of, on top of himself and eats the one, two, three so that Mick Foley can go into the box and Jarrett becomes eligible. Um, Joe with a nice looking senton for a two count and then chokes out Mick Foley and he becomes eligible. Um, some nice ladder shots and then Foley knocks a ladder from, um, from underneath Joe and then he's got a nasty fall landing on the bottom of the ladder, which was quite an ugly spot.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. His ass landed right on the corner and it mangled. (laughs) You saw how it mangled the ladder. Imagine how it mangled Joe's ass.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Ouch. Um, a hip toss from uh, onto Foley onto the ladder. Kurt Angle hits a low blow on Jarrett and an ankle lock. Jarrett comes back with a guitar shot. AJ with a drop kick. Um, the ladder from underneath Jeff Jarrett and Mick Foley. Um, Mick Foley with a hip toss from Jarrett off the penalty box, which was um, a pretty cool looking spot. We get an angle slam. A Mick Foley elbow from the top of the um, the penalty box, and he becomes eligible. AJ pins Foley on the floor and now everyone's eligible and we end up with Joe and Angle climbing and then Joe gives him the belt to hang up and they hug and kiss and it's a bit of a swerve um, that the, the promo earlier foreshadowed.
1: Yes, uh, very dodgy closing lines in both of Joe and Angle's promos tonight where we're talking about we and I think you are supposed to imagine their individual factions when they talked about that but it kind of like... I remembered where this was going and so those lines kind of really stood out to me. Um Nation of Violence Joe was kind of in a bit of a bind, I guess. He got a bit of a mixed reaction at the start of this match and you know, we needed somewhere fresh to go, I guess, and this is their attempt at doing that.
0: Yeah, I um I didn't mind the match, but the swerve, yeah. Uh, actually i can't say i minded to swerve all that much either to be honest like i definitely preferred this to the opener um even though there was you know more capable guys for this type of match in the first one mick foley's sitting out um portion was an interesting like part of the the match to me i, I kind of you know it it definitely fit his character of being that power mad um gm character with the belt not really wanting to take any bumps or get involved so that was cool um Jarrett and Angle and Joe and AJ, all legit top guys at this stage. So, yeah, overall, I, I think I enjoyed the match more than I, I thought I might.
1: Hmm. This is a complicated match to rate, I'll grant you that. I really enjoyed this. I personally didn't enjoy this quite as much as the opener. I think AJ was the highlight of this match for me. Anytime he was in there with Joe, there was some really cool stuff. Like, he turned... AJ turned running the ropes with Joe directly into a baseball slide on Kurt in one fell swoop. And there's so many little offensive touches that he used to do, like the drop-down, drop-down, perfect drop-kick stuff that I really miss. There's a similar thing where he turned an Irish whip on Joe uh, into Joe's elbow suicider on Foley and Jarrett to the outside, which was beautiful. Had a great escape from the angle slam into the styles clash. Just perfect. I think, yeah, you're right about Foley's character touches working, but for me, when he wrestled, it was probably the man that was dragging this match down. He was not really able to sell the younger guy's offense that well. Like, there's a Pele from AJ that barely hit him, and then that fall on the outside that finally let AJ get qualified it's this really odd assisted helo from Joe that didn't really didn't get all of it um Jarrett was also a delight in this match I think he was properly shying away from the WCW 2000s Jarrett and was actually looking to try and fit in with the the pace of most of the folks in this match and yeah I think this was a very enjoyable main event
0: All right, well, I think we're in agreement on that one. Um, That takes us to the halfway point of the show. And for this week's halftime question, um, watching Mick Foley as a TNA champion and just shaking my head in disbelief, I thought I'd ask you, Duncan, your thoughts on the most undeserving world heavyweight champions of your wrestling fandom. Oh, wow, okay.
1: Um, Oh, somebody must have really, really stuck a, a cry in me. Oh, I think Jack Swagger that we saw on our timeline, our first timeline, was the case Ooh. of too much too soon.
0: Yeah, okay. I am I think my mind went to, like, old guys past their prime, but never ever being deserving is a great first one up at Jack Swagger. <laughs> Good call.
1: I think he could have got there if it have held off maybe a year or two, but there's too many instances where they're so desperate for new stars, but they do the whole, the title makes the guy deal when it really needs to be the other way around.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think actually early Roman Reigns falls into that category for me. Obviously he was far superior to swagger, but just the, the insistence on forcing it gives me those vibes. Mm, yeah. I, rem- I remember the first one I really felt was truly undeserved and that was Hogan in 2002. Um, Now, let me be clear that I thought his match with The Rock at WrestleMania was phenomenal and still holds up to this day, but when in the build-up with his match with The Undertaker, when he's being dragged around on the bike and he's clearly got the thickest leather jacket you've ever seen in your life with safety equipment underneath, like, if you can't do the angle, don't do the angle, and then in the match he takes the worst chokeslam I've ever seen in the history of wrestling, Uh, and I'm like, he's clearly just too old, don't give him the belt
1: oh yeah i mean i don't know i think that run is supremely underrated but i feel like it kind of psychologically damaged hogan a little bit like he he put so many people over in that run and then after that it was just like right never again i'm the star
0: yeah and i think outside of the title change it may be like had he got it off someone a bit you know younger and more able to to cover for him it would have been okay but just the program it it was very hot shotted as well and i think like he put over brock lesnar he tagged with edge the mr america run and the match with vincent mania was all like really really good stuff i enjoyed Mm -hmm. the run i just felt that month and that night he shouldn't be getting the belt Mm -hmm. um there's been a ton more in like goldberg and um People of that ilk coming back far past their prime getting title runs as well. Um, any Anyone else that jumps out at you as being just undeserving of the title at the time they got it?
1: Oh, God, I'm glad you brought up Goldberg. Which one did you have in mind?
0: Oh, pretty much all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Everything but WCW. Like, yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, and sorry, any first WWE one in. What was it, 2003? Fine, uh-huh. no problem with that. But um, yeah, anything sort of, you know, from taking it off Bray Wyatt or Kevin Owens or anything like that is just a joke.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the 2021 was a particular one that stuck a craw in me. There's so much like, oh, way, gold, tops off the Goldberg kind of stuff. And yeah, all right, Bray Wyatt is largely shit. But like, I feel like if she was on the other foot, like these people would be like, you can't do this. You're not putting over the brand new star. And we knives out for everyone for that. Yeah. That annoyed me. I'm glad you brought up 2003 because Bicycle Shorts Triple H run in 2003 (laughs) is high on my
5: list.
0: Uh, An injured Triple H is better than any of the many, many other huge stars you've got on your roster at the time. Booker T, Rob Van Dam, Goldberg, yeah. Chris Jericho. like, um, And then you've got all the SmackDown guys. You can bring someone across. No, Booker T injured is the best bet to carry this title.
1: Yeah, b- absolute bollocks. <laughs> just, he, he looked rough. Like, when he dropped the title to Goldberg, when he tried to regain it at Survivor Series, he just, like... Like, even I could see, like, what are you doing? You you shouldn't be here. Um, Which is why his run in 2004 was, like, when he was in there with Benoit all the time and having good matches, it's like, oh, wow, he's actually kind of rejuvenated now because he kind of reached an absolute fucking shit-stained of a barrel run in 2003.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And, um, yeah, actually, just that run... um... Yeah, the, the absurdity of all the, the challenges they got hot just to waste, it frustrates me. It actually reminds me a little bit of, of this year with all the, the hot challenges they've had for Roman who just keep losing one after the other when Roman clearly no longer needs the belt.
1: There's... right. Whenever I read up on SmackDown on this build for SummerSlam, I see zero mention of the championship in this feud with Jay. So I again ask the question, why is the championship needed in this feud and why couldn't you have just you know maybe put over some of these guys in the interim to give people some exciting tv
0: yeah and let's face it there's no way on this planet Jey Uso is winning the belt
1: no no for sure um on a similar note to Triple H I think another like injured champion still being allowed to keep the title Trish Stratus in 2005 really really annoyed me
0: my memory must have blocked out the the injury. How long was she out for? So she was written
1: off at Backlash 2005. She brought in visceras like a, a hand for hire to try and deal with Kane. He fucked up, so he just squished her and wrote her off TV all the way until September. And she kept the title all through that time with absolutely no mention of the title. And... Yeah, so Christy Hemme's feuds were the only women's feuds on Raw then. So it's like, what's the point?
0: Fascinating. I watched all of that stuff and have completely lost that from from mind. There you go. Yeah interesting all right well that's a pretty good list of undeserving champions if you're listening and you're screaming out that we've forgotten someone please feel free to tweet us because obviously (laughs) my memory certainly isn't the best and we're probably not going to name everybody that the people at home were thinking but that's a pretty decent list for now i think Mm. Um, and that takes us across to 2010 so should we go and check out the um, the following year's slammiversary oh
1: boy let's get into this one
6: June 19th, 2002, an improbable dream becomes a reality.
4: Tonight, a very special evening. It's an evening that revolves around history and history on so many fronts. Eight
6: years of growth.
4: I've always said that we've grown TNA Wrestling one fan at a time, and it's so true. And now to have the size of audiences that we have, it's it's so exciting for me as a president of the company to look back and see how far we've come and how much we've grown.
6: Eight years of accomplishment.
4: Here's the face-off! nose nose-to-nose! My God, it's Samoa Joe and Kurt Angle! Angle, Angle, Angle! this Oh my God, Kurt Angle just headbutted Samoa Joe! Olympic slam! Olympic slam! For Angle and Samoa
2: Joe! I think the reason that TNA Wrestling has been able to succeed and continue to get bigger and better over the past few years is because of the wrestlers. I think a lot of the wrestlers, even the homegrown talent has really elevated themselves. Uh, We've elevated each other and we made this into a world-renowned company.
4: This is it, this is the moment that we have been anticipating for months. It's Hulk Hogan and he's live in the impact zone.
2: TNA is in that groove, they're doing everything right. They don't miss, they're consistent, and they are so proud of what they do. For me, I am just happy to grab the end of the train and hang on now. It's 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 awesome to be here. This company is unbelievable.
4: On a night of surprises, how's this for a shocker? Charismatic Enigma, Jeff Hardy in TNA.
3: It's another year overcome,
4: doing something that people thought that we couldn't do from the beginning, and that's make it to the next level. Making
6: history come alive before your very eyes.
4: One, two, three, and he did it! Mr. TNA, Rob Van Dam, just made history! RBD, the new TNA World Champion!
6: The history is here. The memories are waiting. And now... TNA Wrestling presents the pay-per-view that is eight years in the making, Slammiversary.
0: Slammiversary 2010, or it seems to be listed uh, on a lot of the things here as is, is Slammiversary 8, uh, is back to the impact zone in Orlando, Florida in front of 1,100 people and takes place on June 13. How's that, Hey, that the, um, the Hogan effect is to have a quarter of the fans of the year before?
1: Right, yeah, that's hugely disappointing. Like, because if you think about it, we got lockdown in on our timeline earlier, and that was in the same place from when they were touring it in the previous year. So I don't really get what they're going for here. Like, they feel like, oh, it's the anniversary show, it should just be in the impact zone. But, like, when all your other shows are in the impact zone, it doesn't really give it a special feel.
0: And the first like the first TNA shows didn't take place in the Impact Zone. They were in the fairgrounds in Nashville. So go to Nashville.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But where were they? Was lockdown in Nashville?
0: I genuinely cannot remember.
1: Oh, I'll have to look this up. But um, yeah, I agreed. And you'd think as well, with Hogan being on there, even if Spike's probably paying for it, you want to get some dollars in. Come on.
0: Yeah, you definitely want to get something for it. But yeah, um, it doesn't seem to have had the, bi- the big impact again, pun intended there.
1: I will say as well, like in terms of presentation, um, well, I don't think it's like in terms of like the actual presentation of the show, like in terms of staging and that, but the colour palette of this video seems a lot more muted and um, yeah, just a, a bit less exciting than last year.
0: Mm. i i didn't i didn't mind the um the historical aspect of it though um then speaking of the history um I, as mentioned on um speaking on the on 2009 is out with the old him with the new and no it's now mike Tanay and taz
1: yes yes uh, go- oh boy <laughs> i, I miss us. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, our first match is Kaz, uh, Frank- Frankie Kazarian, taking on Kurt Angle. And we start with a huge Kurt Angle chant here.
3: Enthusi, my friend. And by the way, happy anniversary, Mr. Today. The big
4: eight-year anniversary. Same to you, Taz. Great to have you on board. Great to see so many of the fans as I look around the impact zone that have been
3: with us for the past eight years. Well, I
1: guess you can see who, uh, who has the home field advantage here. Well, well into Kurt Angle here, yeah. Um, Kaz is kind of aligning himself with Ric Flair, so Kaz and TNA putting over the, the boosting confidence that that's given him. Uh, this is actually the start of the TNA Top Ten gimmick, where um, there's people ranked ten to one. You want a spot on the rankings, you got to beat the person above you. And Kurt was going to be given the number two spot, but he declined it because he wants to start from the bottom and fight his way up. And Kaz is the man ranked number 10, which is why we're getting this match.
0: There you go. Um, quick start with a springboard dropkick from Kaz and then Angle hitting a pair of Germans before Kaz hits him with a low blow, which isn't a disqualification because Kurt Angle asked the referee not to. Interesting kaz in control um hits a sling slingshot leg drop before angle comes back with a backbreaker and a flipping german suplex which looked awesome um we get the booyah punches a fa- a crowd participation favorite of mine
1: uh, well one bit of crowd participation that got taz's or taz all in a mess is people chanting usa for kurt
0: <laughs> when kaz is very much american
1: <laughs> as far as i'm aware yeah
0: a big backdrop and a belly-to-belly from Kurt hits a two before Kaz hits a neck breaker for a two. Kurt Angle with a powerbomb, which you don't see very often, for a two. It locks in the ankle lock um, but reverses a roll-up also for a two and hits a top rope belly-to-belly for a two. Kaz hits a lovely slingshot DDT for a two and Angle um, then hits four German suplexes, pulls the strap down before Kaz gets a vertebraker slash tombstone-type move, which isn't enough for the win, just a two. Angle Slam from Kurt gets a two. Kaz with a powerbomb and pinning with his feet on the ropes only gets a two before Angle finally gets the ankle lock and picks up the win um, with a re- a really great opener. Unfortunately, the replays of this are <laughs> ruined by some awful girl in the crowd just screaming the whole way through.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, great match. A couple of oddities maybe dragged it down from being in, like, the top upper echelon of Kurt Angle matches. Um, I felt like everything peaked around the fade to black, that reverse tombstone. That dropped Kurt right on his noggin, and then he was back to normal surprisingly quickly, which kind of put me off a little bit. But yeah, this is still a quality opener. Fantastic action. uh, Kept you at the edge of your seat. And yeah, top-notch exchanges of offense here. I love this.
0: Yeah, really, really good match. Enjoyed this thoroughly. We then go to Brian Kendrick taking on Doug Williams for the X-Division Championship. Um, Chain wrestling start off here while the crowd chant, you're a wanker at Doug Williams, which got a good laugh out of me.
1: Popped hard for that, yeah. Taz described Kendrick as a bit off-colour, outlandish, bizarre.
0: (laughs) That about sums it up.
1: (laughs) I guess so. Speaking of summing things up, we have the X-Factors at the start of this match. Which actually made a bit more sense than last year's. Go we had on. Kendrick scores non title win over Williams, former tag partners square off, and is there a method to the challenger's madness?
0: That's not bad.
1: Yeah, a bit bit more uh, sensical than nonsensical like last year.
0: We've got a nice back suplex from uh, Williams on the floor, a slugfest, a small drop from williams a suicide die from kendrick and a missile drop kick gets a two a shining wizard gets a two a low kick from doug williams um so two matches in a row with a low blow um snap suplex a gut wrench suplex a t-bone gets a two kendrick then bites doug williams before williams comes back with a tornado ddt for the one two three i found doug williams going clean over brian kendrick here who had not long joined the company a bit of a strange decision
1: no, for sure. I kind of question that too. Like, I mean, just with the flow of this match, Doug largely shut him out. So I really could have done with a bit more urgency in getting Kendrick back into the running in this. Um, You know, if you're going to do it as short as this was. But, you know, there's still some sound stuff here. I love the finish in that Williams is kind of trolling the X Division by winning the match with a more aerial manoeuvre.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just thought kendrick you know coming off that you know albeit like seconds title win if you want to call it that in wwe would have been a bigger star the year later coming into tna
1: yeah yeah i I see that yeah um i want to run through some commentary highlights with you here this oh go for it (laughs) this was the big entertaining entertaining factor of this match so we're talking about doug's kind of got it in for the X-Division and then being flippy guys and stuff so Taz is like giving out that he wants to see this rule book that he has for judging the (laughs) X-Division guys then there's a point in the match where Taz is bragging about well, Williams, no wasted motion, and then Doug does his pose and so he has to go, well except for that little hand thing (laughs) and of course that growing shot that you mentioned got us into a debate on whether there was no yam bag involved.
0: (laughs) Oh, Taz has brought the yam bag to TNA.
1: (laughs) I don't know if you caught um, on Dynamite recently. There was some kind of low blow. Um, Somebody punched someone in the balls or something, and he found a way to describe it without talking about yam bags and it was just genius. It was like, oh, so a 2 on 5 situation there.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I definitely didn't catch that but would have enjoyed it.
1: It's <laughs> brilliant.
0: Christy Hemme's then with Bischoff and his very attractive assistant, which I think is like the um, the running gag there. And he's calling Sting selfish, but says RVD is good for TNA. Uh, those two guys will be going at it in our main event later this evening for RVD's TNA title.
1: Going at it, sure. Um, <laughs> we've got the Knockouts title match next. And so we have a Knockouts Tale of the Tape. Um, oh, go for it. So this is Madison Rain is a champion defending against the just returned Roxy. So we have knockout knocked out, Roxy's return, and Madison Rain and beautiful people dominate the division. Just kind of clear and concise and yeah, Roxy had beaten Madison in a non-title match. I think just last week, and that's what's got her this shot.
0: Uh, we start with a probo from Madison as well um, before the bell to nuclear heat. She is definitely copping it off the crowd here. I mean, uh, I don't know why. Like, as, as Taz
1: mentioned, she'd let the pigeons loose.
0: <laughs> she asked Roxy to put a career on the line and Roxy the idiot agrees. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I think OSW were onto something with her gimmick here. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'll retire. I don't care. I lose all my matches.
0: <laughs> she immediately gets nailed with a microphone and I th- I don't know I don't know if she bladed here or if it was hard way, but she's busted open right off the start.
1: Yeah, really, really grim job here. Why on earth as a referee would you let this match continue?
0: Yeah, you wouldn't. You'd call it right away. She's fucked up. Um we get a close line from Roxy and then a close line from Madison each picking up two counts. This is a bad cut, uh my notes have got here. Roxy hits a sit out rock bottom for a two, um, hits her finisher, I think, which is like a sit out neck breaker. But Madison Rain rolls out the ring before she can pin her. Then she comes back in and hits her with a nice kick and uh, like a code breaker to the face kind of move um, for the one, two, three. And that's it. Like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Yeah, very unceremonious exit for Roxy here. Um, commentary do pick up on that as well, by the way. So, yeah, I don't know if she just like. Packed it in, kind of like Taylor Wilde earlier. Um, I thought, in terms of for offense, this was relatively sound, and that blade job um, really helped try and put a different feel on this. And like they're trying to push Madison as this career killer. I think they mentioned she did this deal to Tara earlier in the year, and I think she's had the title since lockdown. Um, oh, uh, guess how Taz put this match overly
0: physical match <laughs> uh, yes it is <laughs> so
1: yeah mixed bag
0: um yeah and a bit of a mixed bag on the next one for me as well um it's brother a taking on jesse Neal. um the video package for this was awesome though um where jesse Neal's basically this guy that the the Dudleys have brought in and are, and are mentoring and then they've sort of been at odds with him a little bit and he's obviously aligned with Shannon Moore here now and they you know they feel he's getting a bit too big for his britches. Devon seems a little conflicted by it um, and then this takes us to the entrances where uh, Brother Ray calls out Devon and Shannon comes out as well and he apologizes to them all and then they all sort of start to leave. Shadow Moore leaves first, and then he just nails Jesse Neal on the ramp, which I definitely saw coming. Devon's not happy <laughs> and the security hold him back, but where's Shadow Moore? Why doesn't he come back
1: out? Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty effective angle, not going to lie. The fans were trying to really get in on this. Um, Ray's trying to get his apology out, and they're just chatting, we want tables.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, No, you're right. The the angle was effective. I thought Shannon Moore just probably shouldn't have come out for this because it didn't make sense that he sort of walked out to hear the apology, didn't trust him, but then left and didn't bother to turn back and see what happened afterwards.
1: Yeah, that didn't really track for me as well. Bully as well. He Um, calls himself a douchebag and then the fans chant, you're a douchebag at him.
0: (laughs) Fair. A big beat down and then a tree of woe neckbreaker, which looked pretty cool. Um, He rips off Jesse Neal's dog tags, which apparently belong to his deceased friend from the Navy. Um Jesse Neal fights back after this, gets a crossbody and a belly to belly for a two, before Brother A hits a Bubba Bomb, before being distracted by Tommy Dreamer coming in the crowd, and this allows Jesse Neal to pick up a spear for the one, two, three. There was a bit going on with this.
1: Yeah, Ray was in so much shock at Tommy Dreamer arriving that he missed that second rope sent on that he always misses.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um So yeah, we talked we put over the fake out earlier on, but I mean, apart from some chops from Ray that were really vicious, it was a bit too rudimentary and Jesse Neal had nowhere near enough intensity to sell this. Like he's being put over as someone who was a disgrace to the Navy and a disgrace to wrestling, and your trainers just pulled off your dead mate's tags, and I didn't really get that sense from him at all.
0: No, I, I agree with that. I think like you would sort of expect him to pick up the win and then just continue to beat the shit out of him after the match, after everything that's taken place at this point.
1: Yeah, so just a bit too basic and a bit too overwrought for me
0: christy zem with hernandez it's not the best promo but the video package for his match with matt morgan is a lot better um they're a former team and they've had some issues and matt morgan has put him out of action with his big uh what is it carbon footprint his boots called to the ring post
1: yeah one of the big highlights from our impact and rob and that angle that was so good
0: mm. um Morgan comes out in a neck brace and street clothes, um, and this has got Buff Bagwell in 1998 WCW vibes for me, right off the bat, trying to get out of a match with Rick Steiner.
1: Oh, my God. I got that note in the summary here. Scott and Rick Steiner level of bait and switch. <laughs>
0: it's got a doctor's note, uh, but Hernandez is having none of it, comes out and rips off his brace, and the match just starts. So the referee's obviously not believing it either. Morgan hits a sucker punch, and they brawl on the outside. Um, Morgan with his beautiful corner elbows Uh, Hernandez with a big clothesline and almost like the pounce if you remember Monty Brown that big shoulder block yeah Uh, Hernandez chokes um, and the referee breaks it up but he gets tossed for the DQ Um, goes to hit the post kick on Morgan but Matt Morgan pulls Brian Hebner in the way this one looked botched pretty badly but he sells it hard and Earl Hebner comes out to check on his fallen kid
1: yeah, you could kind of pass it off as a rib injury rather than the head injury, which I think was what they intended.
0: I got the I got the impression they that when the rest came out to check on him, they passed him that message because he was selling it as being unconscious and then he changed it to selling the ribs after he got the attention.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Sensible.
0: Earl Hebner, the wily old veteran.
1: <laughs> sure. What did you think to this, one, Lee?
0: I didn't like it was similar to Buff Bagwell and Rick Steiner. It was like we never really got the payoff to the big angle we wanted.
1: Right, yeah. I mean this is the third match we've got on a row on this show where you've got an impromptu angle that influenced something in the match.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Roxy's got to put her career on the line in an impromptu challenge. You got Bully Ray doing the bait and switch and then yeah here like another bait and switch it's going back to our restless court with triple h i bet jr somewhere was watching this furious about what about a note from the doctor
0: (laughs) um
1: yeah Slammer first is supposed to be this fairly major show and i don't think this kind of bait and switch stuff is really worth it really it just you know it really worked against it either go through with the match properly and say, or just, you know, save the build for later.
0: Yeah. Or just even like put one of the following matches, like break them up a bit, have one of them start the show, have one of them in the middle, have one of them later on. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, not, not too much uh, to write home about in that one. And definitely, you know, it could have been a lot better than what it was.
1: Yeah, they had an appropriate level of intensity, which is more than some of the participants in the previous match, at least.
0: Yeah. Um, f- then we've got Christie with Hulk Hogan. I'll splice a little bit of this in here.
4: Thank you, Mike, and thank you, Hulk Hogan, for offering your perspective on the TNA World Heavyweight Championship match tonight. Now, we got Eric Bischoff's thoughts earlier on the whole Sting RVD situation. What's your opinion?
2: Well, this thing's way beyond perspective. I mean, this is to a fever pitch now. You know, i got to look at it both ways. You know, there's Hulk Hogan, the TNA executive, big deal. And then there's Hulk Hogan, the ex-wrestler. You know, big deal. Sting, you're the only deal going on, brother. I'm biased now. I'm looking at you like Hulk Hogan, the wrestler, brother. Forget TNA the executive. What you've done is gone way beyond the line. You know, everybody wants the TNA title. All of us do. But you know, it's more than that. That's like the, the tip of the iceberg with you, Sting. You're unpredictable. You're evil, brother. You're hitting from all sides. You're hitting below the belt, brother. And what you did to Jeff Jarrett, you really crossed the line. You know, Chris, you might not understand this, but there's an unwritten code of ethics, you know, some bylaws that wrestlers live by. And we have to make a living for our family. No one should ever try to destroy a man's career, wrench his arm out of his socket, over and over, try to rip it off his body. Well, you know, RVD is one heck of a champion. And if there's one guy that can hold his own, that's RVD. He's one of the greatest I've ever seen. But in this case, as hard as Sting's running, my eyes are gonna be on him, and the whole world is gonna be on you, Sting. And I guarantee you, Christy, we're not gonna see A repeat of what happened last month with Jeff Jarrett.
0: But a couple of notes from this one for me. Um, He slips a little bit when he says, everybody wants the TNA title. All of us do. I'm like, yeah, Hulk, we know you want the (laughs) bell. And then he says, no one should try and destroy someone's career. They've got to look after their family. And I'm like, you fucking hypocrite. What about when you hit the rock with a (laughs) (laughs) semi-trailer?
1: Very good. (laughs) He claims that we're at a fever pitch of this match. Er...
0: Yeah, don't know that I agree with that. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm um, oh, sorry, he's obviously referring to RVD and Sting, if anyone didn't get that, by, by mentioning the TNA title. But yeah, that's, um, he, he's saying Sting's been trying to put RVD out of wrestling.
1: Hmm, yeah, I'm not really buying this whole Sting title. In the um, opening, TNA was like, oh, hopefully Sting is looking to win the title and explain the meaning of deception.
0: Yeah, I've got a note in the main event later where it, there's a lot of talk about Sting being a fake and a fraud. There's not really any explanation as to what he's faking or why he's a fraud.
1: No, it's very meat and potatoes stuff for supposedly the major angle of the night.
0: Our next match is Desmond Wolfe with Chelsea taking on Abyss. Um, and yeah, um, Desmond Wolfe comes out in like, it's all like a purple and black football strip that's been made for him.
1: You know you put in all the, all the video packages earlier. Yeah. Super surprised this one didn't have one because holy crap, this feud sounds batshit.
0: Yeah, it was, and um, judging by the way the match ends, I, I definitely think there's more to it than than we got explained on commentary as well. Um, uh, sorry, another uh, monster's ball. This one as well. I didn't mention um, Abyss with a big boot, and then Wolf with a kendo stick. Abyss with a side slam for a two. Um, Wolf charges headfirst into a chair, and then um, he, uh, he uses a trash can on Abyss. Abyss a, a a a gives Chelsea a teddy bear with barbed wire wrapped around it, which is a little weird.
1: Yeah, so this is where the monster's ball turns into the generation game.
0: <laughs> um, he puts a barbed wire board in the corner and empties a bag of glass into the ring. That's definitely notching up the violence a little bit.
1: Yeah, Des is furious at this. He's like, I didn't sign up for this. You kind of did mate. It's a monster's ball match. <laughs>
0: Um, Wolf uses a uh uses Chelsea as a shield and then nails Abyss with a kendo stick. They brawl on the floor, and then up to the stage where Abyss choke slams uh Desmond Wolf through the stage in a cool spot. Um we've got a power bomb um from Desmond Wolf uh onto the barbed wire board. Abyss hits a shock treatment for a two, and then we've got um Sorry, we've got a can't read my notes here, but Abyss ends up going face first into the glass, which looked pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, he went for a choke slam and Wolf hit him with the kendo stick. Um, and like I say, he goes face first and Jesus, you when he gets away and you see all of his blood on the glass, you think, Oh my god, that that don't look like sugar glass anymore.
0: No. Um, Desmond Wolf then wants to get the brass knucks off Chelsea, but she instead tosses him to Abyss, who nails Wolf and then hits a black hole slam for the 1-2-3 and celebrates the win to Hulk Hogan's American Maid.
1: <laughs> that was my other note. Of this. It's so incongruous hearing his music turn into American Maid, especially for this match.
0: I know. Um, very, very good violent encounter, but the um, the silliness with the... The Hall of Fame ring and the ending music definitely overshadowed it just a tiny bit.
1: I was about to ask how you feel it compared to last year's Monsters Ball? Um, I, th- I,
0: I think I probably preferred this one, but it's close. I think this one felt like a more violent encounter um, and like a mixed tag in sort of a monster's ball felt off to me and this one felt a bit more natural and obviously like seeing Desmond Wolf, I was happy with as well. So I, you know, I, I liked them both, but this one edges it.
1: I felt like it was getting there in terms of surpassing it. Like the the violence really amped up, um, especially everything you got after the choke slam through the stage, it was really starting to heat up. But the finish felt a lot Flatter, and you know, you got the swerve special at the end as well. Um, So it's only kind of like level pegging with last year's for me. Yeah, that's fair. We should add as well, by the way. So Chelsea's turn here comes after Abyss and Wolf had a match earlier. um, It was on Sacrifice, actually, where Abyss won and gained Chelsea's services for 30 days. And so, in the dick move of the night, Wolf got her to make a false. Assault accusation against
0: Abyss. Oh, there you go.
1: A wolf um apparently carved Abyss's arm up with glass, which is why there's glass involved in this match as well. Um and the other note that I found funny was Taz was going about, oh monsters ball match. Tell you what, Abyss's life's been a monster's ball. I'm like, yes, Taz, that's the whole gimmick.
0: It's his <laughs> match. Welcome
1: to TNA. <laughs> uh abyss is number seven and des is number five in the rankings and you could kind of hear a lot of dissension in the crowd did you hear the abyss
0: sucks chants i didn't notice that no
1: yeah it was like in the pretty early goings i think they settled down once you know you got the storyline turned but it's that old um oh what do you call that like situation where it's like careful what you wish for everyone's mm. like having a go at Hogan for not pushing the TNA originals. And then here's this one TNA original that's getting a big push. And they're like, no, not that one.
0: Yeah. 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 Give us what we want. No, 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 that's not what we want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no wonder Vince McMahon is like, you like what I tell you to like.
0: <laughs> oh. And speaking of not pushing the TNA originals, we then go to Christy with RVD, D who cuts an okay promo. Nothing spectacular here. Um, And then we head over to AJ Styles taking on Jay Lethal, and this was one I was very excited for coming in. I
1: thought RVD's closing line was really cool. He was like, it's showtime, all right. It's the whole effing showtime, but everything else before that was terrible.
0: Yeah. Um, Styles looks goofy in the Ric Flair robe with the hood, by the way. Just do not like that look at all.
1: Oh, no, it's awful, isn't it?
0: They exchange slaps, um, a drop kick from Lethal and a Snap Suplex, and a backbreaker all pick up two counts. Um, AJ comes back with some more chops and an Enzigori for a two. A Lethal drop kick and a springboard elbow and a moonsault picks up a two. Um, a backbreaker into another self-rock bottom <laughs> for a two count. AJ hits a death valley driver into a neckbreaker which re- looked really cool for a two and it's at this point i'm like this is way too like hard hitting for how dead this crowd are and i just wonder if because of the two guys at the ring do they just not believe any of these false finishes because it's so early in the match or do they not care
1: oh i don't know i, I don't really thought much about the crowd going into this one i guess i was just popping too much of a oh she got roshi by aj styles <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, I feel like Vince on commentary when I see some of these matches and don't know the names of any of the moves. <laughs> There's a lot of, Remember on my notes. just AJ Styles for what manoeuvre. And then he, lethal with a cool throw into a neck breaker for a two. Um, AJ um, hits a brain buster for a two. Oh,
1: yeah, that was nice. Uh, yeah, that was really nice. Um, there, there is some really nice stuff in this match. And... AJ he did that like scissoring knee drop that he used to do. Again, it's just a nice little touch for a miss seeing out of him.
0: Mm. Lethal with a release dragon suplex, which was gorgeous. Um but Ric Flair puts AJ's foot on the ropes. Lethal locks in a figure four, but doesn't last long. AJ hits a Pele and then sells his leg on the climb to the turnbuckle. And this allows Jay Lethal to hit a Northern Lights suplex for a 1-2-3, which I found to be a really odd ending. And Ric Flair berates the shit out of AJ Styles. Kaz comes in to talk him down. But, like, I get what they were going for with the whole, like, you know, Lethal picks up the win. Ric Flair's pissed off at his protege for not doing his best. But I just thought the ending was a bit lackluster.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's... It's still in a sense that Lethal earned it because the whole reason AJ hit his head was because his leg was hurt from the figure four. So it's not really quite the banana peel finish that it could have been in a different context. Um, But yeah, clearly the emphasis is that AJ is in Flair's bad books rather than Jay Lethal scored another major win. Um, I thought this was a rather good wrestling match. But I kept kind of waiting for it to kick into a higher gear and it never really quite got there, despite all that eye-catching stuff we were putting over earlier.
0: Mm, No, I agree with that. And I just think, like, you know, the Northern Lights Suplex, I can't remember the last time I saw a match end with that. So, like, I would have liked the exact same sequence, but, you know, more of a finishing move, I guess. And I think that would have, you know, kicked it up a little bit for me.
1: Mm, I think for me, it kind of felt like these two were wrestling how the new management would expect top-line talent to wrestle as opposed Mm. to how top-line talent that fit the identity of TNA would wrestle.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, We then get a promo from Sting. Again, nothing too memorable on RVD. And we head to our next contest, which is Beer Money taking on... Uh, Kurt Angle and... Sorry, Ken Anderson. I've got K.A. Ken Anderson (laughs) and Jeff Hardy. Um, Before the match, they cut a promo uh, with Christy and they decide they have to have a nickname for their new team and they eventually come up with the Enigmatic Assholes.
1: What a bunch of bollocks.
0: This was bad, wasn't it?
1: Very, very bad. Sting as well, just to point out, so Tanay was throwing back expecting Christy to be interviewing him but no, it was just Sting cutting the promo into the camera because he's like, "Oh, I'm such a big danger to be around." So I told her to clear away. It's like, well, why didn't you give the cameraman that luxury?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You stay here because I need
4: you. <laughs>
1: um, right. This this feud here. All oh, right. So it, it started off because Hogan told Anderson, "Everyone hates him. The good guys, the bad guys, the heels, the baby faces."
0: yeah yeah annoying as shit
5: uh,
1: so uh, he lost to Jeff at sacrifice and offered a handshake but Jeff didn't want to trust him so Ken um, started to like you know really up the ante on trying to convince Jeff that they're actually out to help each other um, and yeah they saved each other from some beer money beatdowns and that's why we're getting this match
0: and we get a "Let's Go Assholes" chant to start the match. Oh <laughs> um, Lord. <laughs> I know, I know. Um,
1: I want to put over so uh, the presentation of beer money. So both of these shows we've had storm come out on the booze cruiser, which I loved. <laughs> um, but this year, at last, we've got beer money's full theme with the lyrics and everything. And we didn't get the lyrics um, in last year's show, so I was really gutted about that, but glad it's here this year.
0: There you go. Um, We get the the early match here. um, Early in the match, Beer Money are Double Teaming showing their tag superiority. Bobby Roode hits a low bridge on Anderson, who comes back with a clothesline. Jeff Hardy cleans house and hits a front suplex for a two. Roode with a DDT for a two. Hardy hits a twist of fate slash swanton, but James Storm grabs a referee and stops the count. Um, The ref, In one of the, and this is saying something considering wrestling referees are largely morons, this is one of the biggest moron moves ever. He accuses Ken Anderson of pulling him out, to which Ken Anderson rightly says, why would I do that? And the referee just begins completely overacting. And this is so bad, it gains my dick move of the week.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the ref totally had it out for Anderson in this match. I don't know what was going on.
0: Just, like, no subtlety whatsoever. Rose Ed saw that one. Oh,
1: my God. Speaking of lack of subtlety, I had a big laugh. There was a moment where Rude stood on the second rope to low bridge bridge it while Ken was running the ropes, and Ken just died right through it like a big fucking idiot. He looked terrible.
0: Speaking of uh, looking terrible, um, I'm not the only one that noticed a referee either because Tad Taz tells him on commentary he should try decaf. Oh! <laughs> uh, um, storm hits a DDT for a two, uh, backbreaker from Rude, Beer Money hit a double team suplex, and then we get the warm tag to Anderson who hits a rolling Samoan for a two, uh, Bobby Rude hits a spine buster, and then Storm with the eye of the storm a spinning razor's edge before Anderson hits his mic drop for the one, two, three.
1: Uh hmm there's some obvious like touch points when we're going to get into comparing 2010 to 20- 2009. and for me, like if you compare this to the beer money in 3D match, it doesn't look quite so favorable. Um, you know beer money always got to hold up their end, but I just don't see this Anderson and Hardy team as being a big deal.
0: No, no matter how much they try and put each other over with the um, ending mic work either with saying each other's name twice.
1: And then Jeff Hardy, like a massive dog, just sends his promo with,
0: TNA rocks!
1: Yeah. TNA chimed in, I know a lot of people thought that they couldn't coexist. (laughs) They know this trope.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've seen it a million times
1: um so yeah it was an entertaining match they had like the the cheating and the hardy's double teams coming into it and you know the ref manip- manipulation um and some good back and forth wrestling but kind of felt more like a, a good tv match rather than a big pay-per-view match
0: agree especially not the semi-main either yeah and that of course takes us to our main event rvd defending the title against sting um they immediately go shortcut and go to the outside. Um, <laughs> RPD hits a leg drop on the barricade, and then what seems like about 35 minutes of them each whipping each other into this same wall.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. That, they love that wall.
0: They did it, like, five or six times each, and it's just like, we get the message, get inside. Like, six Irish whips into a soft wall. Like, I don't care.
6: Uh
1: The video package for this tried to put this over as a first time ever match, which is bullshit because we saw that opening impact where they spent like a minute wrestling each other.
0: Yeah, yeah. Back in the ring, we've got some Stinger splashes for a two, a chin lock, super kick from RVD, a springboard kick for a two, split leg for a two, and then the referee bumps, so Sting starts beating the shit out of RVD with the bat. Jarrett comes out, takes the bat off Sting and nails him with it. RVD hits a rolling thunder for a two and then a five star for a three in a very lackluster main event.
1: Incredibly flat, yeah. At the start of this, fans were bowing to Sting as he came out just to show you their level of investment in this angle. And, you know, Sting's in the t-shirt just to give you his level of investment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, apart from going into the wall over and over again, the crowd, bro, was, you know, the only point where they looked like they were actually at each other. No one looked motivated. Otherwise they actively avoided nearly all of their best traits. And then the Jarrett running at the end, it didn't really feel all that earned. It was just like, Oh, right, Jeff, this is your point to come out. Like didn't really feel like, Oh, RVD really in all that much trouble or anything.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, very disappointing ending to two shows I was really excited to watch, um, especially since we watched them in chronological order. But rather than eulogize about the main event too much, should we go and pick ourselves some winners?
1: Yeah, I'm excited to discuss these. They kind of turned out the opposite way around than I expected when I was talking this through with you. I thought I'd remember a lot more about 2010 and 2009, but it turned out the other way, actually. I think franchise coming out just triggered something in me.
0: um should we start with production value i went 2009 because of the the issue we talked about with 2010 having basically three angle type matches in the middle of the show back to back they each had a few little production gaffes but i think 09 overall just seemed a bit more seamless to me
1: i think it was a really interesting pair of shows to pick for this because 2009 they've just gone hd and they're trying to keep some of the like grubby like, side of impact still there. Um, whereas 2010, they've kind of polished it a little more. But I think I still overall preferred 2009 as well. And the big arena helped. Um, the presentation of the, the main event with everyone having the, the curtain run and the, uh, the tailor made video packages really helped that as well. I thought that was great.
0: Yeah, agree. Um, Who did you go for crowd?
1: Um, Well, see, it's difficult because, you know, the impact zone would, again, being kind of a little engine that could in terms of responding to stuff. um, I I think I'm going to go with a tie here, actually.
0: Yeah, I, I think the 2010 crowd, like the, the heat and the love for Kurt Angle, almost put me there, but I went back to 09 just because of four times the size. And like, you know, there's only so many impact zone crowds I can watch. Like I, I preferred being on the road. So slight window at 09 for me again. Um, Storyline, which, you know, some vastly different storylines between the two shows. Which did you prefer?
1: Oh God, this is tough. Um, whew. um. I think it's kind of odd there's a bit of a purity in some of the 2010 ones as opposed to the 2009 ones but oh I don't know I think I still prefer 2009 just because you got a bit more variety I think than what you got in 2010.
0: Yeah I went with 09 too I think um just I enjoyed them more to be perfectly honest. Like I didn't like the the main or the semi main angle on 2010. And then the other matches were all angles as well. So for the storyline advancement and and payoffs, I went with 09 Um, characters. I really struggled because it was, you know, largely the same group of characters. So I actually called that one a tie because I didn't think one had a necessarily a better set of wrestlers on the show. What did you think?
1: I mean, again, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, 2009, it's really funny, like, other than Kurt Angle, the whole main event mafia is, like, selling everything apart from when they come out to celebrate. So they kind of, like, hamstrung themselves a little bit, but I think I, I'm i going to go with 2009 here just because I think some of the more classic TNA characters were were more worthwhile seeing than, um, like, the, the major Hogan signees.
0: Yeah, yeah, fair. Um, And that takes us to match quality. Um, I, again, went 2009. I just thought too many angles and a shit main event in 2010. Um, Even though I wasn't as high on the the first King of the Mountain match as you were, it still had a lot of great spots and was, as as a match, it was great. So 2009 won this one pretty easily for me.
1: Yeah, again, it's, it's a very narrow one in places. You know, like if you compare year to year, The X-Division title match in 2009 is much more trademark TNA than um, Williams and Kendrick was. Um, I think the main event for 2009 was obviously much better. Um, 2010 had that great Angle and Kaz match going for it and AJ and Lethal nearly got there. But um, for me, the tag match is um, really help swing things in 2009's favor as well um, so I think I'd go with 2009
0: so it's a pretty handy win for 2009 I which I'm glad because watching the two shows I definitely much more enjoyed 2009 um, but sometimes you know I, when I'm trying to rate them and, and be fair to the system it's a bit closer than I would think than just my you know a, it's hard just to say, like, the enjoyment factor um, if the matches aren't necessarily better sometimes, but I, I definitely found 2009 overall to be a much more enjoyable show. Uh, watched it a lot quicker. It, it dragged a lot less. So, overall, I'm, I'm happy that that one picked up the win.
1: Yeah, I needed, like, three goals to finish 2010, I'll be honest. Um, I think the big tent pole matches on 2009 were just more appealing. The two King of the Mountain matches, the tag title match... Um, and then ev- everything else was kind of similar, really. But I think the the layout kind of hurt 2010.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Agree. Um, so that brings us to the end of the show. Um, before we sign off, uh, what have you got coming up um, with Kyle in the future, Duncan? Anything exciting on the watch list coming up?
1: Yes, we'll have Vengeance 2001 on the way. I actually was able to salvage my tape where I actually recorded Vengeance from Channel 4. So as a part of that, I also got the Sunday Night Heat from before that. Um, and all of the adverts, which we'll be going through too. Um, Kyle just recently welcomed his son into the world, uh, little baby Thomas, uh Joined us about probably a month Ago now he, he was born a little Premature so he's only just Got home um, so Obviously spending a lot of time with him At the moment so um, I've not had a chance to really see If we can slot something in But hopefully you'll hear from us soon um, It's been so long since we recorded Leave that um, We've actually missed all of our Shows of 2023 So um If anybody's not checked us out in the meantime, we're at TNW Podcast. Uh, So far this year, we've done our celebration of our podcast mascot, Steve Blackman. And we've also (laughs) looked at the Raw after Survivor Series 2001 with the debut of Ric Flair. And then Thanksgiving 2001 Smackdown and November 20 uh, november 29th edition of smackdown that had austin and regal in the strap match as so we're, we're gearing up to vengeance which is going to be the big one
0: i've thoroughly enjoyed all of those shows but the highlight for me was definitely the raw after survivor series that's one that's got vivid memories um and vengeance coming up has vivid memories for me of bitter bitter disappointment and kyle will get a laugh out of this because triple h was on the poster and through the entire show i was just waiting for him to appear and he never bloody appears and the main yeah. event ends and the credit scene comes up and i'm like what the fuck where's triple h <laughs> this is bullshit i was furious
1: <laughs> i i was in a similar position to you there yeah
0: uh but yeah no definitely go and check um, out all those episodes if you haven't um all highly enjoyable and um, yeah it's definitely been a while since we recorded so apologies um well not really my fault binge can apologize but thunder is back and we will be checking out thunder and smackdown again a lot sooner i I imagine dunk
1: oh yes arnie arnie
0: arnie (laughs) i will get those watched in the in the weeks to come and we will be back together before you know it marvellous All right, well, that will do it for today. Thank you everyone for listening and thanks, Dunk, for for catching up with me and and making the time work and also coming up with this great idea for a a little pivot show so that we could keep recording and get something out there.
1: No, pleasure. This was
6: great fun. Thanks, Lee, and thanks everyone for listening.
0: All right, see
1: you later.